Welcome to Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. I'm Greg. And I'm Erin. We've been married for 31 years. We're marriage counselors, and we lead the marriage team here at Focus on the Family. Today, we're talking about keeping God at the center of our marriage, which can sometimes be hard to do, right, Greg? Oh, totally. But it is so essential to have a healthy relationship. That spiritual component has to be the center of your marriage. Yeah, and I remember a dark time in our marriage where this really, spiritually speaking, wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. And we had some good friends. Um, we'd actually moved to Northwest Arkansas to be around this couple, to work with this couple. Mm-hmm. And she ended up with a pancreatic cancer diagnosis. Yeah, right. The day that we accepted yeah. the job, yeah, um, she was diagnosed and she was young. She was 43 years old. Yeah. And so I remember I stumbled across some like nonprofit that would give this is way back in the day so it actually give what was called a little prayer pager mm-hmm. that when someone would pray for her instead mm-hmm. of just saying hey i prayed for you that it actually it would type in a number in this little pager that she had would would buzz mm-hmm. and that thing went off all the time I, I, it was so distracting for me because i thought it was so amazing Look, someone just prayed for you. Oh, look, someone just prayed for you again. Mm-hmm. It was that sort of just overwhelming sense of people praying for her. And it was the coolest thing. And I remember just thinking, you know, God, I know um, pancreatic cancer is a tough diagnosis, mm-hmm. but I mean, come on. Well, everything mm-hmm. you say about prayer, like you have no choice but to heal her. Yeah. Or what you say about prayer yeah. isn't true. I mean, that was sort of my yes. my I, arrogance I, around prayer right. and what I thought right. should happen. I know her prognosis that they really said she wasn't going to live more than a few months. Yeah. And she ended up living years, yeah. but she ended up passing away. Yeah. And so I know for you, that launched you kind of into a spiritual crisis. It did. It it made me really question prayer. Mm-hmm. And I never questioned God. And I didn't question my relationship with God or with Christ, but it just made me kind of feel that you know, is prayer nothing more than like a spiritual slot machine? You mm-hmm. kind of prayers are these little tokens you throw into, you know, the slot machine, pull the lever, and you might win, you might not. Mm-hmm. And and it just it just took me to a dark place, and to the point that I just didn't want to pray anymore. Mm-hmm. And I even remember just how that that impacted you and I, because mm-hmm. you know we that's always been a part of our relationship. We pray mm-hmm. together, but during mm-hmm. the season. It was super hard mm-hmm. for me to have any motivation to do that, and, yeah. and it definitely impacted. I don't know. What was that like for you? Yeah, it was It was hard. I remember when you first told me, like, yeah, I don't really want to pray right now. And I was like, really? Because I know for me it was very different that losing her, like the only way I could walk through that, because I also lost my mom yeah. right around that time. And I mean, I couldn't get out of bed unless I was depending on God. So it was confusing to me. But it was, I understood that you were grieving in a different way and that losing these people impacted you in a different way than it did me. And so I was kind of like, okay, I'll, I'll just keep praying and I will pray for you. I will pray for us. And, you know, that I will carry that right now. Yeah. I, you know, for me, I, I'll never forget the moment I was exercising, I was just thinking about my relationship with the Lord and the questions and the confusion around prayer. And I finally just felt this true sense of peace going, okay, Greg, maybe the reality is you don't really need to know how it all works. Mm -hmm. So the question is, do I trust God enough 
to believe that prayer works rather or right. not that I see how it works right. or how I think it should work, uh-huh. all of that. I just remember that that there there was a moment of real humility to where I just kind of went, you know what? Who am I? Like I don't get it. And mm-hmm. but but I believe in God. I believe in what He says. I believe in His Word. In even though I don't understand it perfectly, mm-hmm. I believe in prayer. Yeah. And and it was amazing just. Just way that God, you know, I always love that, you know, he leaves the 99 to search for the one. It felt like the one moment for me to where he was so pursuing me around prayer and just gave me the the, the latitude and the, and the space to, to wrestle through prayer. And what's so cool about the story is that kind of reconnecting in that, that moment with God around prayer and just going, hey, someday when I'm in heaven, just kind of explain to me <laughs> – it helped me to understand. Like, mm-hmm. I don't get it, but mm-hmm. I'll just wait. But really reconnecting around prayer with the Lord. I mean, it was days after mm-hmm. that. Remember, we were in my office mm-hmm. at this this university, John Brown University, that mm-hmm. we were teaching at. Mm-hmm. And a guy came into my office. You were there with me. He's telling mm-hmm. us about this trip he took to China, mm-hmm. an orphanage that he went to. And then, and then this little girl that that they handed him, and he kind of walked around with, and that she needed hand surgery, and I had been so disconnected from prayer, no motivation to pray, and and I'll never forget in that moment, just feeling this this urge to well, let's pray for this little girl. Mm-hmm. Remember, mm-hmm. so we he, the kind of the three of us huddled up and and prayed for her, yeah. and had no idea. That this little girl that we prayed for in that moment that I that I initiated around mm-hmm. such a had been such a painful thing ultimately became our daughter Annie. Yeah. That that's yeah. how we first got to know her. Yeah. So again, we we all go through these hard times mm-hmm. in in marriage and these these spiritually difficult seasons. But mm-hmm. it's so important to keep pursuing that mm-hmm. together. And that's really what we want to talk about. We've got a great assessment, by the way. To where if you're wondering, yeah, how how are we doing within our spiritual relationship? Take this free assessment. So go to marriagemilestone.com. So let me say that again, marriagemilestone.com. And take our free assessment because one of the things that, that it'll show you is how well you guys are doing within your spiritual relationship and a prayer is a part of that. Well, we've got some great segments coming up. Later on, we're going to talk with our good friends Kennedy and Olivia Unthank about how they keep God at the center of their marriage. We're also going to hear a question from one of our listeners who wants to know, how can she and her husband overcome temptation in their marriage? Mm -hmm. But first, we had a great conversation with Dave and Ann Wilson about a big turning point in their marriage. They're authors and speakers with an amazing story. So let's listen to the fun conversation we had with Dave and Ann. So one of our favorite questions is, well, what's one Bible verse that has really impacted your marriage and why? So, Anne, let's start with you. Well, mine is Romans 12, 1 and 2. This has always been a favorite Bible verse to me, but it has impacted my marriage, our marriage, so much. Many of your listeners will know this verse, but it's Paul speaking to the Romans, and he says, Therefore, I urge you... Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Mm. This is your true and proper worship. And this part two, this is verse two, 
and do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm. And this has just become this habit of mine, I think because our marriage was so hard, especially at the beginning, and then it was hard at 10 years. And I and it's still hard sometimes. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and I, I have to continually lay my life down on the altar to Jesus because mm. I want to take it back. I want to live my life the way I want to. But when I continually lay it down, then I can do that verse two that I don't I ha- don't have to be conformed by the world, which all of us are, unless we're intentional about allowing Jesus to transform our thoughts. Because most of the time I was thinking how Dave wasn't meeting my needs and how he was failing and how he should have done this and that. And so to take that thought captive and to submit it and Mm -hmm. surrender it to Jesus, that is hard to do. But but because of the Holy Spirit, we can. But that has been just a lifelong practice and a Mm. verse that I continually cling to. Mm, it's well, so good. And it's such a gift to the marriage as well because you're 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 acknowledging there's going to be spiritual warfare, there's going to be attacks on the mind. We're going to, mm-hmm. you know, th- have developed these negative beliefs. And so to yes. take all that captive, it, it that that's such a way to keep a marriage strong. So we love that one. Dave, mm-hmm. what about you? Yeah, beat that one, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I can never beat anything. Oh, Go yeah, to something that Jesus or God said. So she quoted Paul. So yeah, give well, us a what? Jesus quote. I am going to quote Jesus. There you go. Do you know which one I'm going to uh, No, I don't know. Do you know which one I'm going to do? No. You know, I knew which one she was going to do. Um, <laughs> it is Jesus at uh, sort of the end of his uh, long sermon in Matthew, the Beatitudes. It's mm. Matthew 7. I know you know this passage, but he ends his sermon basically by saying, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Mm. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it sounds like we should understand this passage, but I think we often miss it. As a mm-hmm. pastor for 30 years, I think a lot of people in church think, if I just get to church and hear the Word of God, I'm good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and Jesus says the difference in the house built on the rock and the house on the sand is not hearing the Word of God. It's mm-hmm. what you do when you walk out mm-hmm. and put it into practice. Listening to your podcast every day. Mm-hmm. I'm sure people think this is awesome. That's I'm good. It's like no, it's it's input, which yeah. is awesome, but then you have to go put it into practice. Yeah, is the key, yeah. and uh, we found in our own marriage that just opening the word is good, but until we live it, mm. uh, our marriage could fall just like anybody else's. And the rock is Jesus, and He is the only one that I can find life from. And so that's. Yeah, we good one. We used to do before we came up with vertical marriage. Our marriage ministry we called it uh, marriage on the rock, because you know a lot of times when you're in trouble, you say my marriage is on the rocks. Yeah, right. And we thought uh, the difference could be my marriage is on the rock, and that will sustain a great marriage. Yeah, awesome. Jesus being the cornerstone, the rock. 
That's yeah. a great, awesome. great verse. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about your tenth anniversary. You kind of, you kind of mentioned ten years. Um, we hear you had a, a rough conversation. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, because Dave was thinking that he that he'd done it perfect. It's going to be this great <laughs> evening, right? So, yeah, yeah Dave, what happened? Started, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. it I won't, I won't go into the long story, but yeah, we went out on a 10-year anniversary date. At the time, we were just about to start a church. I was in the sixth year of being the Detroit Lions chaplain, so I was traveling on the road with them and doing Bible studies. So very busy life at that time, and, and two little boys, right? We had a four and a two-year-old boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. wow. And uh, Anne was pregnant, right? With no, number three. Yet. She wasn't pregnant. See, I get the dates and everything all wrong. <laughs> yes, we, we tend to get that very succinct. <laughs> that could be why it started to go south, by the way. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but basically, I thought it'd be great to go out on a 10-year anniversary date. I did this romantic thing of handing the waiter, without Anne knowing, 10 roses mm. and asked him when I gave him a look to bring one rose at a time. So we talked about year one. I handed her a rose. Year two, three. Anyway, long story short, I thought it was a great night. We talked about our you know, 10 years. As we're driving home, I had one more surprise, and that was to pull into the parking lot. It was about midnight, I think, of the little middle school where we had just signed a contract to start our church, and oh. Ian hadn't seen this school. Oh. So I thought, hey, it's on the way home. So we pull in there, and I thought it'd be fun to pray that God would do something great in this little church we're going to start. And then I just thought... Uh, you know, it's late and nobody's here. Let's go parking. So, and I know you guys are old enough to know what parking is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Necking, that's what we used to call it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I was hoping it would, uh, you know, it was a great date. I was a romantic, you know, hero. We we had talked yeah. on the date. Every so woman's would, dream. Connected right there. emotionally. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, long story short, when I turned to kiss her, she turned away. Oh. I thought she just didn't know I was trying to kiss her, so I tried again. By the way, this is all in the front seat of a Honda Accord, which <laughs> isn't gonna go well. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know. But I, you know, she didn't want to kiss me, so I said, Is something wrong? <clears throat> and that's yeah. when I found out. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I didn't want to go into anything heavy. Right, on your anniversary. Had, yeah. Yes. And he put so much effort into it. I really appreciated it. It was really great. And so he kept pushing me, like, what's wrong? And so finally I said, Dave, I'm done. Mm. I've got nothing left. I have lost my feelings for you. Wow. Mm. And he was shocked, like absolutely shocked. What did you say? You Yeah, Greg, like you said, uh, if you had asked me that day, you know, what's your marriage on a scale of one to 10? I probably would have said 10. Yeah. I thought we were awesome. You're about to be 11 wow. because of yeah. the cool date <laughs> exactly. you created. Yeah. And to me, it all made sense. Well, of course you think it's a 10 <laughs> because you're so checked out. You don't even know what's happening at home, mm. in my life, what I've been feeling. And I hadn't done a good job of communicating it because mm. I was so angry. Hmm. And I would say things like, what? You're leaving again? Seriously? Mm. Well, great. Our kids won't even remember you. So I had that sarcasm. Yeah. I was so hurt. Yeah, so your resentful. heart was closed, it sounds like. Exactly. Yeah. I, because many mm. of you know that if you've ever started 
kind of going down the hill. Mm -hmm. I started out really angry. Mm -hmm. Then that anger turned to resentment. Mm -hmm. Mm. The resentment turned to bitterness. And the bitterness then turned to nothing. Yeah, Mm. apathy. Mm. Yes. And I thought, I don't even care anymore. Mm. I really don't Mm. even care. I'm just going to raise the boys who are four and two. I'll do the best. And you know, I don't even know what's going on. And I, I really, here's the dangerous part too. I started to lose hope. Mm. Yeah. And I, you know, and I knew in marriage, you need to be all in. You need to give 100%. And when your heart gets hurt, mm-hmm. what we automatically do is we start pulling back our yeah. heart. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah, we don't want to get up. hurt. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. We, yeah. we want to protect. Yes. And so when I brought it up, when I told Dave, I thought, here we go. We're just going to be in a big fight again. He'll defend himself. I'll defend myself. But this time it went a little different. Hmm. Mm. All right. You've you've created some curiosity for us. So, <laughs> yes. well, be, so before you tell us, though, Dave, what what you did different, like what what was going on as far as were you guys just not talking about all this? Like, were you missing the warning signs? H- how did you go from, well, I think it's a 10, and she's like, I'm done. I said it's a 0. 0.5. Okay, Ooh. 0. 0.5. <laughs> we'll round yeah. that up to a solid one. But either way, yeah, how, w- what was going on for you? Well, you know, Greg, it's interesting you said uh, earlier she had a closed heart. I mean, I'd never thought of this till just now, but, you know, the verse I – just shared out of Matthew 7 about putting into practice. I'm not kidding. I remember your dad teaching yeah. how to open a closed heart in the mm-hmm. 80s. That's right. Yeah, yeah. the famous and, Gary uh, Smalley. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, we speak now at the NFL conference that we were sitting at that he taught that. And here's the thing. I wasn't putting it, putting it into yes. practice. Mm-hmm. I knew this. I saw her heart closing up. I was so focused on ministry, success. Providing uh, speaking, yeah. Yeah. all that, yeah. yeah. It was all the stuff that I was involved in. My eyes were just literally outside the home. I felt like she feels loved. I'm I'm a good husband. Yeah. I'm better than every husband I've ever seen. Right. You know. So let's she go smooching be... in the parking exactly. lot at the middle school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, as you hear it now, I was just blind. I really was blind to it because I, when she said that in the car that night, I was, I really was shocked, and I was about to argue with her and prove to her like all the other arguments that I was listening to her and I was there. I could pull out the calendar and prove it. (laughs) Right. And (laughs) that always works, by the way. Yeah, Yeah, it always works. That's a perfect strategy for marriage. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Who's right and who's wrong? What really happened? Yeah. So, okay. So you, you, you created the curiosity. So you, you didn't defend, you didn't do what would come natural. What I do, I mean, I do all that as well. Aaron yeah, and is, yeah. Greg is very consistent with yeah, that. Yeah, 30, I, could, 30, I could feel her looking at me just then. I knew it. Years, very consistent. You know, I tried to be stable in that that way and consistent. So, yeah, what what happened differently this time? I mean, what what happened was really in in many ways a miracle. It really mm-hmm. was because Anne, you know, I did ask the right question. I go, like, tell me more. Wow. You know, like, what do you mean? you've lost your feelings. And so she starts sharing how I'm gone and she's all the things she just said. And instead of arguing, and again, I was about to, I sense the spirit of God, the Mm -hmm. Holy spirit of God that lives right here in this temple. He lives in each one of us who are followers of Christ. I sense God was saying to me one word 
And I mean, it was so strong, I couldn't not hear it. It was repent. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I heard it wow. three times, guys. I was wow. like, you know, so it's. it's I thought it was going to be kisser. No, it was repent. That, okay. That that's, wouldn't have worked. That's she way wouldn't better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, it was so weird because I was like listening to her on a oh. like a human horizontal level, mm-hmm. and this conversation started happening vertically with God, and it was like repent. And here's the thing, I knew the minute I heard one word what he meant, and it was in one word all of this was what he was saying to me: "You are trying to find your life everywhere else, mm-hmm. even from your own wife, and she's letting you down, so you're out running." And let me tell you something. The only way you're going to find life is from me. Mm. You know that, and you're you're lukewarm. Your heart is warm. It's not hot. And if you think you're going to fix this on a horizontal level, never going to happen until you put me first in your life. Mm. It was very gentle and loving. It wasn't condemning at all. It was just like, you know this. You, you teach this. Mm. You know, we were doing marriage conferences around oh, yeah. the country at that time, and I, you know better. It was just like my heart was like lukewarm. Yeah. It, mm. was, it was revelation. Well, I like how, especially what you're saying, because when when you first said, I heard the word repent, my mind instantly went to, of course, he needs to repent to Anne and seek forgiveness and Mm. say, you're right, and here's everything I've done, I hear you. But you were, that was repent to the Lord, Mm -hmm. first and foremost. And that that's, yeah, because that's funny, because that's what I heard. Like, yeah, you should say you're sorry to her. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You've tried that too. Apologize and it'll all go away. Right. What I love is that the the word you heard, repent, was gentle. And so often we condemn ourselves and the enemy's right there to to agree with us. But those gentle, soft words soften a heart. And it sounds to me like then you were able to show up soft with Anne. Yeah, I mean, I it was so strong that I said to Anne, after she finished, I said, uh, you know, we need to talk, and I need to hear more of what you're feeling. Awesome. But I need to do something myself. You don't need to, but I do, and I need to do it right here, right now. And she's mm-hmm. looking at me like, what's he, what's, yeah. where are you <laughs> going? You know? What was in that food? <laughs> what was he drinking at the table? I thought it was iced tea. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it's crazy. I don't know to this day how I did it. I felt like I wanted to be on my knees. I don't always pray on my knees, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I felt like I needed to be in a posture of full surrender. And so somehow I pushed the seat in this Honda Accord back. (laughs) It's not easy. And I got on the floorboard (laughs) with the driver's, the steering wheel on my back. Oh, yeah. And I just prayed out loud and I said, God, I repent. I am Mm -hmm. not hot. I am, I am lukewarm. Mm-hmm. And I know that if I want this marriage to be what you want it to be, I need to be put you first. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like I lost my salvation. I wasn't in moral sin. Yeah, it was just you know repent and do the things you did at first. That's revelation. Yeah. You've gotten busy and, and your yeah. attention was elsewhere. God was not number one, yeah. even though I was doing all this godly stuff and preaching. And you know, I was like, wow, you can do that in your flesh. And I just had to put him back in control. Mm-hmm. And I said, God, help me to be the husband she deserves and the dad my kids need. Aaron, 
Aaron, I, I so enjoy Dave and Ann. I mean, they're, they're certainly not only funny. I mean, we always enjoy our time with them, but they have such great stories. I appreciate their willingness to, to share. Just and to be authentic exactly. and honest and exactly. open about their journey. So we asked them about their favorite marriage verse. So mm-hmm. I thought it would be fun for you and I to do that as well. So tell us, Aaron, what is your favorite verse and, and what about that verse or why is that your favorite verse? Well, one of my favorites is John fifteen twelve. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Because what I I love about that verse is it's not saying um, love one another when you feel like it, love one another when you your spouse behaves well. You're called to always do. Well, it's we're called to love, and he loves me regardless of how I show up. And of course, I'm not talking about accepting poor behavior or abusive behavior. I'm talking about we're human. I I often will say when I'm working with a couple, welcome to the human condition. We're sinners and we make mistakes and we're going to hurt each other's feelings and we're going to do knucklehead things. And it's just part of being human. And how do we um, continue to live that verse out and genuinely love our spouse? Sometimes it is speaking the truth in love, and sometimes it is stepping away and taking care of our own heart and coming back and trying it again, because we have the greatest role model of all, and that's Jesus who loves us unconditionally. Yeah, and and I love that. And I appreciate that you're saying, hey, it's not that we just blindly accept poor behavior. And it, it makes me think about, you know, for me, it's always good to ask myself, is how Aaron is showing up or whatever you're doing that maybe I'm, I don't like or I'm hurt by, is that missing God's mark mm-hmm. or is that missing my mark? Mm-hmm. And so if it's missing my mark, it's probably my own expectation. It's what I think you should be doing, how I think you should be showing up versus allowing you in that situation to be a human. Mm-hmm. But if it's truly something that's missing God's mark, mm-hmm. then th- that is most certainly worth that sort of conversation and, yes. and digging into that and not just accepting that because right. that's a big deal. Right. Well, I love that verse. So well done. You know, for me, First Peter 3, 7, and 8 is one of my very, very favorite marriage verses. It says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you in the grace of life. So it's really saying we're joint heirs. So we're, we're equal. We, we are both heirs to the kingdom of God so that my prayers won't be hindered. Above all else, keep loving each other earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. And it's funny how that's very similar mm-hmm. to what you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple things in that verse that really stand out to me. Yeah. Number one is it's telling me to love you in an understanding way. Mm-hmm. Almost even a better word there or another word that you could use for understanding is compassionately. Mm-hmm. So one way to say that verse is likewise, husbands, live with your wives in a compassionate way. Because I think that's such an important part of marriage, mm-hmm. and it's hard for me. That's why it's, I love the reminder there. It's easy for me to focus on solutions or facts and who's right and who's wrong and get caught up in trying to fix whatever's going on versus just being compassionate. Mm-hmm. Jesus wept. Mm-hmm. You know, He modeled compassion mm-hmm. when dealing with Lazarus' family. 
And so I, I love that. So it's a great reminder that I need to be compassionate with you. But then when it says above all else, keep loving one another earnestly. What's cool about that word earnest is that means attentively. So it's saying above all, keep loving one another attentively, paying attention, noticing, making sure that I'm constantly understanding in this season what speaks love to you. Mm -hmm. Because I I love the five love languages, Gary Mm -hmm. Chapman's great book, Mm -hmm. and and that's a fantastic understanding. I know that you're a gifts person, and that's always been true. Mm -hmm. But I never want to get into the habit of saying, oh, yeah, she's just a gifts person and that's it. Mm -hmm. Loving earnestly means really being attentive to as we go in and out of different chapters in our marriage, Mm -hmm. seasons in our life, you know, things will change for you. Mm -hmm. And maybe what speaks love to you yesterday won't Mm -hmm. speak love to you the same way Mm -hmm. today. So Mm -hmm. I I just want to keep being attentive to what speaks love to you. And that's what Mm -hmm. I I, I really love that 1 Peter 3, 7 and 8. Well, if you want to learn more about how you can build your marriage on Christ Get Dave and Ann's book. It's an amazing book. It's called Vertical Marriage, The One Secret That Will Change Your Marriage. And we have that here at Focus on the Family for a gift of any amount. Yes, and all the details will be in the show notes. Well, we are blessed today to have Kennedy and Olivia with us. And we've had Kennedy on the show before, and we're just so excited because his beautiful wife, Olivia, gets to join us today. And she claims that everything he said before was wrong. Well, she's here to <laughs> so tell us the exactly. true story. Yes. Um, they, they'll be married two years in May, so congratulations. Yeah, Coming up on the second you, year anniversary. And so we have a specific question for you guys How do you, how have you discovered over the last two years to keep God at the center of your marriage? Yeah, well, I think uh, there's actually a song that I remember we listened to a lot before we got married. It's called The Marriage Prayer by John Waller. And there's a line in it that says, help me to love you, you being God. Help me Mm -hmm. to love you more than I love her, so I know that I can love her more than anyone else. Mm. Wow. That's really well said. uh, Then in the second verse, uh, his soon-to-be wife comes in and says the same thing Mm. in regards to him. And it it really actually helped me start to really process what it means to keep God at the center of your marriage. Mm. Because if it is true, uh, and we were, we were talking about this last night, if it's true that God is love, mm-hmm. then the best way that we can love one another is to love God. Olivia, mm. what's that like for you as far as just relationally feeling safe, to know that that he is pursuing God first and foremost? Oh, it definitely feels makes you feel much more secure. Yeah. Um, I remember when we were preparing for marriage in our premarital counseling, we would read a book and it talked about how it can be so scary to be submitting as a wife to your husband unless you know that they're first submitting to God. Mm -hmm. And then it's a safe place because you're like, I'm submitting to God and my husband and I get to be secure in that. So it feels really good to know I have a husband who is looking to God and that's how he's going to lead and guide me. Mm, That does breed just a safety and a security. What's what's this like for you as a young husband of two years? Um, what's it like to to really step into that role as husband? Yeah, you know, I think it's first off, it's a bit overwhelming 
when you start to realize exactly what scripture calls you to do as a guy. Mm -hmm. It says, you have to love her as Christ loved the church. And when you start to realize, well, what does that mean? It means you have to, uh, you have to serve her. You have to sacrifice for her. If necessary, you have to literally give your life for her, mm. you know, and there are, there's just a lot of things like, going. it's not just, you know, hey, you're, you're the guy. So, you know, you get to be the end all leader, but it's like, no, you, you have to be the end all leader, even if you don't want to, even in those hard decisions, you have to be the one who leads this family unit. And mm -hmm. it's not something that every man I think is ready for, and they need to mature into that because it's it's so much more than just being two people together you yeah. know it's there's so much more that comes with it and it's it's very good i, I want to preface that that it's a very good thing but it's something that comes with a lot of responsibility too yeah mm -hmm. hard thing because mm -hmm. you're right because this this idea of of you know, love really playing out as sacrifice. You think of how many verses in the scripture really point to this, but it's easy to miss. I mean, mm -hmm. God so loved the world that he mm -hmm. sacrificed mm -hmm. his son. Yeah. There's First John three sixteen that says, this is how we know what love is. So it's literally saying love is Jesus yeah. laid down his life for us, so we ought to lay down yeah. your life for others. No greater love than mm -hmm. to lay down one's life for a friend. I mean, it's just that constant theme, right? Yeah, and I mean, even in those verses that you referenced, do you see that constant theme of actions yeah. that kind of prove mm -hmm. that? I always bring up uh, in Romans 5, 8, it says that God shows or demonstrates his love for us and that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. That's love, that you is. know, because mm -hmm. it, it's not only God saying, I love you, but he proves it, mm -hmm. you know, in that while you were a sinner, while you were not worthy of love, mm -hmm. Christ still died for you. And so you have to take that, I think, into your marriage and say, okay, there are going to be times when I don't really want to be loving. <laughs> There's going to be times when I'm going to I mean, Olivia never here. feels that way. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like... <laughs> uh, you know, there's going to be times, though, when, when you know, you've had a, a long day and the last thing you want to do is go home and do the dishes or something. Um, but you, you have to sit there and you say, you know, no, I dedicated myself to this woman or in her case, this man. And I have chosen to to sacrifice myself. After all, it says in First Corinthians that love is sacrificial. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to sacrifice some of my desires and current desires because I love this person. So I'm going to prove that I love them through my actions. Yeah. So what, Olivia, for you, what does that look like? How does that play it out? When have you noticed something that Kennedy's done that feels, oh, that sacrifice right yeah. there. <laughs> Butter me up on the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> right. um, well, we recently got a puppy. Mm. And that is good. sacrifice she, right yes, there. She is sweet, mm -hmm. but she has a lot of work. And... Um, when I work all day or in days when I work, Kennedy takes her out for so many walks. And on top of that, he makes dinner and he just does all these things. So when I come home from work, I can just relax. Mm. And I just know he'd probably rather spend the day, his day off, you know, at home resting. But instead, he's worn the dog out and he's... Most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> she's hard to wear out, but he's mostly worn her out and he's prepared a meal for me and just created a nice little home space where I can come home and relax and mm. prep for the next day. Yeah. Mm. And, and what does that do for you then 
as his wife. So you you see him sacrificing. What, how does that translate into how you even feel about the marriage then? It makes it so much easier to want to follow someone who you know yeah. is going to think of your needs and think of what you want. Because mm-hmm. I know when he's making plans for us or making decisions, he's not doing what he just just what he wants, but he's doing what is going to be best for me and for him. And that comes from him just knowing me, spending time together knowing me and mm. being able to know what I would want or what I would need. Mm. So what encouragement would you guys offer to another young couple that's listening, that's going, we want God to be at the center of our marriage, and we're both believers, and we're really wanting this, but practically, how do we make that happen? Olivia, do you want to start? Yes, I say one of the biggest things is praying for your spouse. Mm -hmm. It is just so marriage changing when you realize you have this power and ability to pray to God about your spouse. It's so much easier than just nagging your spouse to do something, you know, or um, trying to get them to do something. (laughs) Instead, it's like you get to pray like, okay, God, I hope you guide my heart. I hope you guide my spouse's heart so we can agree on this, so we can go forward in what you would have for us. And that's just, Mm. it also makes you love your spouse more Mm -hmm. when you, you know so much about them, so much more than anyone else on the world. And you're getting to take that special knowledge you have and bring it up to the Holy Father for them. Yeah. Mm, so I think crazy. it's just super cool. Yeah. Kennedy, what about for you? Yeah, no, I think uh, in addition to prayer, I think it would really help to recognize how intrinsically spiritual marriage is, at least mm. how it is in the Bible. Yeah. When you When you read about marriage, you see how it is supposed to relate to how God yeah. uh, covenants with his people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, it's and, really one big love story, yeah. and marriage is such a, a huge part of that love story. Yeah, and when you start to realize just how intrinsically tied to Christianity marriage is, you'll start to grow deep in your love for your wife or for your husband if you're a woman, um, specifically because we're called to glorify God in everything that we mm-hmm. do. Mm. And... When you stop thinking, well, how can, in my case, how can Olivia help me out today, you know, (laughs) and start thinking more like, okay, well, how, what can I do that's going to glorify God in this marriage? Because remember, it's not just, we're talking specifically about marriage, but glorifying God is in all elements, but specifically Mm -hmm. in marriage, what can I do in order to be more glorifying to God? Would it be more glorifying to God, for instance, for me to be like, uh, yeah, well, I don't really want to make dinner tonight for you, so we're not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> you are the one that That's one this option. Yeah. Or would it be more glorifying to God for me to be like, you know what? I don't really want to, but Olivia would really like it. I know if I made dinner and when she got home, it was ready for her. Mm. And I think that'd be more glorifying to God because it would be putting her before my myself and my own needs. In, which is so true because one of the things that Aaron and I discovered very quickly, which is I'm sure you guys have discovered this as well, is that marriage, like no other relationship, is going to show you how selfish you are. Mm-hmm. It's just that, sure. that, that, that selfish nature that we all have is just amplified, right, Kennedy, mm-hmm. in this – in marriage, it just comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just appreciate you guys and your mm-hmm. perspective and just for the the fight that mm-hmm. you're in mm-hmm. to to have the very best marriage you can, knowing that that, that that's about your relationship with God first and foremost, mm-hmm. and then about sacrificing for each other. So thanks, you guys. Oh, thank you. Yes, of course. 
All right. Well, now we're going to move on to our weekly Q&A. And this is the part of the show where we get to answer your burning questions about marriage. Please send us your questions. You can click the link in the show notes or go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com and click the button on the side of our show page to leave us a voicemail. And if your question gets answered on the show, we're going to send you a copy of our book, Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets to a Lifelong Romance for free is our way of saying thank you for listening and reaching out to us. Well, today's question comes from one of our listeners who wants to be anonymous. So again, you can always leave a voicemail and Mm -hmm. we can make that as anonymous as you want that to be. So let's listen to Katie, our producer, read this question. Hi, Greg and Aaron. So my husband and I just got married a few months ago, and it's been wonderful. However, both of us struggle with our own demons and temptations, and we're both honest about them to each other. I think the problem is we both have a hard time really trying to overcome them and to stop them. And now that we've been praying, but I was wondering if you could give us some other ideas of how to overcome them and to stop them once and for all. Thank you. That's such a great question from this listener because I don't know anyone who does right. not have temptation. Right. Temptation is something that we all struggle with, and it's different things, different levels. Um, it can turn into a full-blown addiction, but temptation is something that the enemy loves to put in front of us and dangle in front of us. Right. And you think about like the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, 15 and 17 really talks about, you know, I don't really understand myself or I want to do what is right, but I don't do that. Instead, I do what I hate. I mean, he's just saying, listen, I want to do the right thing, but so often I'm doing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's the Apostle Paul, one of the heroes of the faith. And it just really underscores that that we all have these you know thorn in our side that was another mm-hmm. analogy kind of picture used to talk about that 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 sometimes you know we have these thorns in our side to remind us that that we're not self sufficient and i think mm-hmm. that's a big part of how temptation can actually be a benefit in our life is that it's just a reminder that you know I don't have the answers mm-hmm. that 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 I am weak when it comes to temptation that that I need God I need his his power mm-hmm. and I love in 2 Corinthians 12:9 it says each time he said my grace is sufficient for you my power works best in weakness so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. So, I mean, again, Paul is saying, I've got the thorn in my side. You know, I don't do mm-hmm. what's right. I do what I shouldn't be doing, all because Christ is made perfect in our weakness, mm-hmm. and, and yet we can't be self-sufficient. Well, and so often these temptations are hidden. And when they're hidden, the enemy has full full freedom right. just to mess with us. So it's important to identify these temptations and to bring them into the light. And, you know, I often will say, you know, ask yourself the question right before I went down that road or I was tempted or I followed through with the temptation, what was I thinking? Yeah. What was I feeling? What was I doing? What's prompting that temptation? But we have to become yeah, aware. Yeah, we have yeah. to become aware of what's triggering the temptation. Yeah. Today, I was working on a big project. I have to give a big board presentation mm-hmm. um, here in, in about a week. And so I finally got feedback from from my bosses. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, for the most part, they loved the direction. They had some some feedback, but it just so stressed me out because I thought I was done. Mm-hmm. And you've worked so hard I on know. it. And, and so I, I, I was super stressed, went back to my desk, and, and, and I just have some snack items oh, under no. my desk in a box. <laughs> so, you know, so at some point during the day. And so I kept grabbing bags of chips as I'm trying to work through all the different you know, just their feedback and how am I going to figure this out and who do I need to ask to help me, you know, come up with some new numbers or whatever, I mean, yeah. all these things. Yeah. But Aaron, seriously, after like the third little tiny, like lunch size <laughs> mm-hmm. bag of chips. But my question is, did the trash make it to the trash? <laughs> yes. <I did. laughs> or did you stuff them in <laughs> your chair next to they're, you? They're in my pocket where I stuffed them. No, I threw them away. But it's. I'm, I'm. I'm glad you're enjoying this right now. My my sharing it because oftentimes hurt. I find those trash items. But I mean, seriously though, it, it on my third little lunch size bag of chips, <laughs> I just sat there and went, okay, hold on, good. Like what is going on? And it was really good for me just to go, okay, I'm so stressed out. I know I like to eat chips when I'm stressed out. There's plenty of them in this box (laughs) under my desk. And so to be able to pause and just say, Mm -hmm. okay, Lord, I I need to breathe for one. So I'm just going to take a moment, go to you and help me get this stuff, you know, again, reaching out to the Lord. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's noticing, it's being aware, like you were saying, and then turn into the Lord. Yeah. Turn to the Lord, ask him for help, but then also seek support. And reach out to others because there's others that are struggling with the exact same thing you are, whatever it is. Unless you believe that person is going to like poke fun at you or laugh about your (laughs) struggles. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. I I would say, yes, make sure it's someone who is safe and who can handle um, whatever it is you're dealing with. But accountability. And your spouse should not be your accountability partner. Let them be your spouse, let them be your friend. Yeah, so often, especially with um, addictions that are impacting, which most of them do impact your spouse, um, in that shared space, in our shared space of our marriage, you know, it's hard for them to be objective to, they don't want the job of holding you accountable for your sin. They want to be your partner, your journeying partner. So yes, I say share things with them, but don't ask them to hold you job. accountable. Because Go then to they'll someone feel else. responsible, right. and then all of a sudden they've got to figure out how to make sure you're doing the right thing, and it's just not the right relationship yeah. between yeah. spouses for and sure. ultimately, you know, surround yourself with good people, but then go in and get help from a licensed Christian counselor. And if you need help finding someone, call Focus at 1-800-the-letter-A-N-F-A-M-I-L-Y, and they'll give you a referral to someone, a licensed Christian counselor in your area um, of the country. So do that. Get help. If this is a longstanding pattern, um, yes, God can heal you in an instant, but I say don't miss out on what God has for you in it. Um, And as a couple. Yes, go in and talk about it. Seek help. Seek healing. Well, thanks to our listener for her question, and look out for your copy of Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. And if you're listening today and have any questions for us, contact us. Click the link in the show notes to leave us a voicemail. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining us for Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. Having a Christ-centered marriage is essential to a healthy relationship, and we hope that we were able to give you some practical steps to help you grow spiritually today. So be sure to like, listen, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to share this episode with your friends. We want you to have a seat at the table every week as we help equip you and your spouse to have a lifelong and satisfying marriage. And as we talked about today, we want to help see you grow spiritually, both as individuals and as a couple, so that you can turn around and invest in other couples to help them build thriving marriages. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk with you next week about this crazy little thing called marriage. If the fights with your spouse have become unbearable, if you feel like you can't take it anymore, there's still hope. Hope Restored Marriage Intensives have helped thousands of couples like yours. Our biblically-based counseling will help you find the root of your problems and face them together. Call us at 1-866-875-2915. We'll talk with you, pray with you, and help you find out which program will work best. That's 1-866-875-2915.